Portage Health Foundation is proud to introduce you to Superior Educator Sister Carolee Vaness from Sacred Heart School in Lantz. Sister Carolee is a warm and generous person with 46 years of teaching experience. She's always the first person at school in the morning and many times the last to leave at night. She pours her life and love into her vocation and work and is a true example of selfless devotion to others. If you know an amazing educator like Sister Carolee, go to superioreducators.org and nominate them to be recognized as the next Superior Educator. Welcome to the second segment of Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. It's hard to believe that as we broadcast this program on Sunday morning, we are a week and a day away from Memorial Day, the nominal start to summer across Michigan and here in the Copper Country. And so I thought we'd better get ready for the tourists to come. Let's bring in Brad Barnett from the Keweenaw Convention and Visitors Bureau. Brad, welcome back to the program. Hey, uh, thanks for having me here, Todd. Uh, And it doesn't feel quite like summer quite yet. I'm missing those 80-degree days that we were having a a few days ago, but uh, they'll be back here soon enough. Well, and that extended end of winter that we had that just seemed to drag on and on and on. Every year, though, this does this to me. I look up and all of a sudden there are leaves coming out on the trees and it's going to be Memorial Day and I need to mow my grass. Yeah, absolutely. Things are greening up. The leaves are budding out on the trees. If you head just a few miles south towards uh, like Frida, right, you'll see the trees in full bloom. Uh, summer's here, spring's here. Uh, just uh, give us a few weeks and uh, we'll be right to it. So let's take a look back at the winter. We had a fair amount of snow this winter, which of course we always root for. 300 plus inches in Keweenaw County, they measured by the uh, curious way that they measure that sometimes. <laughs> did that work for us this winter? It sure did. Yeah, it was. we definitely rebounded this winter compared to the prior year. I mean, if we, we rewind a little bit back to you know, late 2020, early 2021, we didn't have a lot of great snow two years ago. This year, totally different story. The product was pristine. We got off to a little bit of a slow start in December, but uh, once the snow machine started churning, it just kept on going, and that provided a wonderful background and backdrop for skiing, snowmobiling, and all sorts of winter sports. And, And really, for us, we didn't have much of a thaw. So, you know, usually, you know, we get a little bit of peaks and valleys where we lose a few inches here and there, but then we make up for it with some fresh powder. Well, this year it just kept on stacking. And and for us, that provided a great base for those winter activities and that brought travelers to us. I've always said there are two aspects to our snow. We have to have enough. And south of US-2, we don't want them to get any. (laughs) Did they get any down there, or did we get a good influx of people in from uh, northern Wisconsin and over into Minnesota? We we did, yeah. When we were in the depths of winter, right, when we were in full swing in February and uh, late February, I mean, we were getting calls from downstate saying they really had nothing, right? You know, so it was a bit of a snow drought in some parts of Michigan and some parts of Wisconsin, of course, and that brought visitors up here to us. Lots of parts of the UP had good snow products, but of course... Like we typically do, we we had the best. How does that translate then into success for our local businesses? Are they reporting our, our hotels and motels, our restaurants? Are they reporting good revenues over the winter? But yeah, they certainly did. We we try to do our, a fair job of keeping some statistics on on visitor counts as they come through the Keweenaw. We're still waiting to wrap up March, so we don't have our final numbers yet for the season. But compared to the prior year. Uh, we believe we're up about 30 to 40% compared to prior years, like visitor count numbers. So people who came into market, um, we had, uh, we were estimated about 55,000 visitors came in through December through March. 
um, compared to the prior year's numbers of around 37,000. So you can see that was a nice little uptick. A lot of that has to do with the fact, that, again, our, our snow product was, was pristine this year. That was fantastic. And then we were also kind of coming out of that COVID situation that we had that I think a lot of people may, may or may not remember from the prior year. Oh, I think yeah. I, I've been trying to forget it, Brad, sure. and thank you so much for bringing it back up again. Happy to do that for you, Todd. <laughs> the biggest attractions up here. Obviously, the trails are, are big attractions. Um what draws people up here the most? Yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of people, you hear it, you know, along the trails. So you hear snowmobiling, right? That's one huge pillar for us during the, the winter season. Um, the key went on both in terms of the base of snow and then our topography is really what is what elevates us, pun intended there, you know, compared to other destinations throughout the Midwest, right? We have something that we call mountains up here, right? And that's a great experience to ride. So that's one leg of, uh, I think, the winter uh, stool uh, that I like to call it. The other is downhill skiing, right? We've got great downhill skiing for the Midwest between Mount Bohemia and Mount Ripley, right? Those are great, fantastic places to ski. And again, the powder, the fresh powder makes a big difference. And one thing that kind of goes unnoted oftentimes is the power of Michigan Tech, right? So uh, winter commencement and things like that bring people in winter carnival. So the events that we have during the winter, the Great Bear Chase, the Copper Dog, those things really bring in visitors from outside the area that help help our restaurants, our, our little boutique shops, and, you know, of course, our lodging accommodations. Mount Bohemia is becoming a big success story. It's 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 huge, right? That's a that's a national brand. And, you know, in fact, it's often, it's, it's kind of funny. We'll have people coming from, uh, you know, the West Coast, from the East Coast, from down South. They're coming here specifically for Mount Bohemia. And then you talk to sometimes some downstaters and they don't even know Mount Bohemia exists, right? Especially at that scale, right? And it's because of the sort of the brand, the mystique, it's the culture of Bohemia that brings people. And of course, I mean, it's the topography terrain and the powder. Yeah, and it is a specialty product. Yeah. If you're just an average skier, and you like groomed slopes, you're not going to hear about Mount Bohemia because they don't offer that. Mm. But if you're one of those skiers who likes the fresh powder and likes that more natural experience, then I suppose wherever you are, there aren't a whole lot of options. No, and, and, and honestly, they were skiing in well into March and into early April, right? So this year, I don't know if you follow that or not, but there's a little friendly competition between Boyne Mountain Downstate and Mount Bohemia on who's going to stay open longer. Yes. Of course, Boyne, they make snow and they groom and they do all the things that it takes to keep you know their, their, their slopes pristine. Uh, and this year, but Bohemia actually stayed out uh, longer, right? So they, they were open longer because of that uh, Lake Superior, Lake Effect snow, snow machine that allowed people to come in uh, well into April. Yeah, I watched some conversation online about that, and the Boyne Mountain people were saying, saying, yeah, you maybe you, you may stayed open later than we did, but you weren't open longer than us because we started so much <laughs> earlier than you did. So they were getting a little prickly about it down yeah. there. Semantics, semantics, right? All I know is, is they posted on their social media page a big sign that's said bohemia you won and then <laughs> i think there was a wager where uh boyne mound the owners there made a donation to the copper country humane society you know in the spirit of friendly competition oh that's great is, i love really that good. yeah absolutely. i love that yeah talking with brad barnett from the keweenaw county convention and visitors bureau keweenaw convention and visitors bureau kind of wrapping up last winter's experience and now looking forward ahead to the summer coming up here, which I was kind of hoping things would go well, and all of a sudden we've got 
gas at $4.50 a gallon. What are you hearing from people in your industry mm-hmm. about how this is going to affect people's travel plans? Yeah, so, I mean, just like all of us, we're, we're you know, we're feeling in our pocket, right? So, you know, when we go to the pumps, you know, we see those gas prices and it gives us a little pause uh, in terms of, you know, expecting, you know, what, what's coming up for later this summer. Uh, in some ways, it may actually be a blessing. Uh, in the sense that if you see the turmoil that's happening in the airline industry, right, with between the pilot shortages and the price spikes, you know, taking those trips to, you know, overseas or, you know, to Europe or other parts of the country, right, may be a little cost prohibitive or just the logistics. It's just it, the planning is tough. I was wondering about that. My, I have some family members that are just, at, as we broadcast this, mm-hmm. wrapping up a trip they made to Orlando down mm-hmm. to Disney. And they had made their reservations nine, ten months ago, and all of a sudden, a couple of weeks before they left, flight canceled, rescheduled, mm-hmm. major problem. So there are people, I think, who are looking at uh, making that car vacation because they know at least, uh, yeah, the fuel is going to be a little more expensive, but at least we control where we go and when we start and when we stop. And, and I think that that element of flexibility and control is incredibly important to travelers today because, I mean, you know, in personal experience, we got trapped in Florida. Florida over spring break. We didn't know what we were going to do because they canceled a wave of flights. There were over 20,000 flights were canceled over a weekend, and that wreaks havoc on your travel plans, especially if you have to get back to work. Sure. So, so for us, we're cautiously optimistic about the summer. Um, what we're hearing from the travel experts is that travelers may say, you know, we're going to stay a little bit closer to home. You know, so again, maybe instead of taking that cross-country road trip out to, you know, out to California, maybe they'll do a, you know, road trip within the region, the Midwest. Uh, And the other element is, is they might not take as many trips this year. So instead of taking three or four, you know, road trip style vacations over the course of the year, they may only take two or three, right? So we're keeping an eye on that to see the frequency of travel. That's probably the thing that's going to be impacted the most. It's not whether or not people will go on vacation this year. It's how many and how long. And... Even though we all hate to see that four at the start of the gasoline price sign there and anything that comes after it and they're talking about it maybe going up even higher. Realistically, if you're taking a trip that's going to be 200, 250 miles, the cost of gasoline is not the significant portion of the trip to begin with. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe the cost of gasoline doubles from $100 to $200 or $200 to $400. If you're spending two or $3,000 on a trip, I wouldn't let that stop me. No, and, and that's great insight, and I, and I think that's why places like the Upper Peninsula and the Keweenaw Peninsula are so well positioned to absorb some of these challenges. Uh, because once you get here, so many of the activities, the excursions, the the events that you're going to be participating in are frankly free, right? I mean, when you go to the beach, right, or you go on a hike, or you ride down the the mountain biking trails in Houghton or Sweet Town or Copper Harbor, right, those things don't cost you anything. And so for us, even though the cost of getting here is maybe a little bit higher than other markets or other destinations, once you get here, it's relatively inexpensive to enjoy that experience. Yeah, and there aren't the big fees that you sometimes have to pay if you're going to go to Six Flags or Cedar Point or uh, Mall of America or places like that. You're shelling out money, even Mackinac Island. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been there a couple of times in the last few years. Mackinac Island at this point is simply an adventure in peeling $20 bills out of your wallet. (laughs) (laughs) We love our friends over at Mackinac Island. Yeah, we love our friends out over at Mackinac Island. Uh, Tim High, the convention guy over there, is an old friend of mine. Mm -hmm. I've known Tim for years. And I love going to Mackinac Island, but it certainly has become an expensive adventure, as you said. And a lot of the things that you can do here, there's uh, either no charge or very nominal charge. And 
you know, in comparison, a lot of the other things, the, the meals don't cost as much here. The hotel rooms are much more modestly priced mm-hmm. here than they are in a lot of those uh, vacation hotspots. So it's a friendly place for people to come. I think so. I think so. And we hear it from our visitors too when they get to the Keweenaw, when they tell us, wow, it really doesn't cost that much for the experience that we get, whether whether it's the dining or the attractions or other types of amenities. Uh, when they're coming from markets like Chicago or they're coming from Minneapolis or they're coming from Grand Rapids, they're just used to paying a little bit more for you know the beers, the food, you know, all the experience, the picnic lunches, all these types of things, right? They're just used to paying a little bit more. And that works in the Keweenaw's advantage in the fact that we, again, we are perceived as a low cost destination to visit. And our pasties are a whole lot better. Heck yeah, they are. There's no question. What do people come here for at this point? Uh, There are so many things that we offer. When you talk to those people from out of town, what is drawing them? So in summer, it's a very different market than what we experience in the winter. Right? Sure. So when people come up here during the winter, they know exactly what they're going to do. They're here to chase the snow. They're here to snowmobile, right? They have their vacation planned out and they know the product. They don't need help doing what they want to do when they come up in the winter. Summer is very different. We have people who are coming up here to relax, to disconnect, right? It's, it's to, to go out and explore. They're not as familiar with the Keweenaw product. Uh, they need a little bit more hand-holding while they're here, but it's the ubiquitous beautiful outdoors that bring people up here. It's the ability, it's Lake Superior, it's the ability to just replenish, I think, the spirit that the q and draws people up here. And then, of course, there are a lot of amazing other things to do once they get here, but it's really that ability to disconnect enjoy the waters, enjoy the the trails, that kind of stuff that brings people up here. And then when they're here, they're blown away by all the other things that they can do, whether it's the historical experiences like Quincy Mine uh, or, you know, ghost towns experiences, the A.E. Siemens Mineral Museum, things like that. Those are value added once they get into market. Are we taking enough advantage of our ghost towns? Well, I, I hate to say advantage, right? I don't want to take advantage of them. <laughs> I, I want the people to experience them in a respectful way. Um, and But maybe we, you know, in terms of interpretation, probably not, right? So if I'm, you know, John Q. Public, who's coming from Kentucky, that's where I'm originally from, and I end up in a community um, that we would call a ghost town, you know, I, you don't get, you don't know what you're experiencing, you know, and so I would love to see us do a better job as a community of sharing the heritage there once people get to these areas. If you go to Frida, for example, which people live there, it's not. Yeah, a, yes. And it, well, it, and that's one of the, one. I, I looked, because I've got, our family has the camp in Kenton. Mm-hmm. I saw Kenton on a ghost town list a few years ago. I'm thinking, yeah. no, I know people who live there. There's, yeah. it's not, there's a store that's open. Yeah. There's a, There was at the time. Hoppies is there serving sloppy hoppy burgers and yeah. things like that. It can't be a ghost town. It's, it's not a ghost town. I mean, when we think, when I hear ghost town, uh, and it's some vernacular that's becoming more popular in the travel industry, like I think of like a, you know, a desolate area where no one lives, right? But, you know, when we Tumbleweeds going tumble- through the streets out west. You exactly, know? exactly. When we talk about that, um, it really means a community that experienced population decline. It doesn't necessarily mean that no one lives there now. It just means that a lot more people used to live there than once they once was, and now there's fewer people there, and there are relics that are, still exist that maybe tells the story of what used to be there and what the community used to be like. So in some cases in the Keweenaw, there are communities that are still very vibrant that exist that might be considered ghost towns, while in another case, there might only be remnants left of where a community used to be, and now the only things that are left are make old mining ruins and no one lives there. And you have to be a little careful directing people to those places. First of all, you don't necessarily want a whole bunch of people stampeding over it. Absolutely. And secondly, a lot of those are in their very natural 
states of decay, which means potential hazards. Absolutely. And, and so responsible recreation is something that we're really sort of doubling down on here in the Keweenaw because we want people to go out and enjoy these beautiful places and these historic places, but in a responsible manner. And so it's both both for their own good, right? We don't want anyone to fall in a hole or fall, fall down a mine shaft or no, get hurt. No. Uh, but then also, too, and just we want them as they come and experience the Keweenaw, uh, we want, to, want them to do so in a respectful manner so that way they're not overtaxing uh, public safety services, uh, you know, or, or our communities and our residents. We are going to be getting some visitors from the water over the summer. We've got cruise ships that are coming back into the Copper Country. Uh, how many are coming? What are we expecting from these people? Yeah, so this this is exciting. So it's the return of the cruise industry to the Keweenaw. And so the, the UP uh, and Houghton and the larger Keweenaw, we have a long record of being in the cruise industry. Cruise ships used to go to Isle Royal, uh, I learned a few summers back, right? So, um, But this year it's really exciting because we have Viking Cruise Line coming to visit us for the first time. And Todd, uh, that boat, the sh- I can't even call it a boat, that ship coming is just beautiful. They'll be coming here seven times over the course of the summer. Uh, and then American Queen Cruise Line, formerly called Victory Cruise Line, will be coming here twice over the summer. Now, the people who are coming on these cruises, will they get to spend a lot of time here and and obviously for the most part they'll be located right down in in Houghton and maybe across the bridge in Hancock mm-hmm. but they won't have cars they are pretty much cut trapped within walking distance of of the dock yeah so so the good news is is that um, they will be here for a, a, about a full day and, you know they get here around eight o'clock in the morning they'll get off the ship uh, around 8 30 maybe nine uh, and then have to be back on the boat by five you know to make their next port of call. Um, but we're working with a group called Great Lakes uh, Excursions, and they're a fantastic excursion company that uh, plans experiences once people get off the boat. Okay. And so our, our, you know, our cruise passengers will have the opportunity to go up to Esteban Pines uh, to explore uh, Hungarian Falls, do downtown Houghton walking tours, uh, experiencing some historic breweries, things like that. So they've got some ple- uh, pre-planned excursions that they can participate in, which are exceptional. And so they'll have guides to help help them do that along with like buses to get them there. Um, or if the, you know, the cruise passenger just wants to explore Houghton and Hancock by foot, they can certainly do that as well. Oh, so this is rather like the cruises that go to Alaska and offer you a glacier experience. They have somebody set up to to take you there. A- absolutely. And that and that's really the best way to do it, right? So uh, you know, each boat may carry anywhere from, you know, 250 to 350 passengers. So uh, not an insubstantial number, but a nice chunk, you know. But these people uh, are coming from uh, Europe. Uh, they're coming from across North America. Most of these will be the first time they've ever, you know, experienced the Keweenaw. Uh, so it's really good that they're going to have some guides on, on staff to help them experience it in a safe and productive way. I was talking some of, uh, with some of my friends in the Copper Country Clown Band yeah. recently, and we decided that um, in Hawaii, it, when you land, you're met by ukulele players who put lays around your neck. Mm-hmm. We think we need uh, finished polkas and pasties <laughs> at the dock when people come in. <laughs> so so we are at the Convention and Visitors Bureau. We're working closely with the City of Houghton and the Keweenaw Chamber of Commerce to help with sort of that first taste of Houghton experience. Uh, so we're reaching out to uh, the Finnish American Dance Group. I always mangle the name because I'm from Kentucky and I don't pronounce Finnish words very well. Uh, but to have them uh, yeah, right there 
there as they tender uh, and get off the tender boat at Bridgeview Park to have that experience. So that way they're performing some finished uh, finish dances um, there, in addition to having like a, an information kiosk and a photo uh, photo opportunity there with a big sign that says Houghton in the background. So That has to do dual purpose in terms of also making it clear to the cruise companies that this is a place they would want to stop because their passengers will like that and they'll refer others to it. Absolutely. I mean, this is right now there are uh, visits planned for this summer and additional visits planned for next summer. But as we've learned over the cap, the course of several years, right, things can change in a heartbeat. And Heaven the, knows. Yeah, yeah. So what we really want to do is, is make sure that this is a quality experience uh, for both uh, the, the cruise company, right, all the logistics and details that it takes in order to bring in a vessel of, of the, this size. Um, uh, the Octonus is 665 feet long. Uh, it's one of the largest, if not the largest, boat or ship to ever come into the Keweenaw Waterway. Um, so we want to make sure we have all those details in place. But then again, yeah, the cruise passengers, we want them to rate us highly. They, we want to make sure that they go back on that boat and tell their friends and family that they had a wonderful experience. Um, because that, to me, is probably the most powerful economic driver and marketing potential of this is making sure that they get back on boat and they share their experiences with others and encourage them to come back to the Keweenaw. Obviously, tourism, Brad Barnett, affects all of us, even if we're not in the tourist industry. We have friends who own businesses. We have friends who work for these businesses, the restaurants, the hotels, the stores, mm -hmm. and, and shops that benefit from this. How can all of us help make those visitors welcome here. I, I think back to times where I've been gassing up and I've seen somebody from out of town. Hey, how you doing? Uh, uh, you know, you're just just a, a friendly hi. Yeah, yeah, and and that makes a huge difference. I, you know, per, a personal experience. I recall my first visit, first and only visit to New York City. Right, a bumpkin from Kentucky. You know, going up there, I was twenty something, and you know, get lost trying to find my way. And a you know, a friendly resident just came up and saw that I was lost and said. Where are you trying to get to? Let me, and I'll point you to the right direction, or you need to take the metro line, and this is the way to go. Simple things like that make you feel welcome as a visitor. And it leaves you with a really good impression, and that's something that, frankly, I think the UP and the Keweenaw does exceptionally well, right? The people really, you know, they're friendly, right? And that, that matters. The other thing is, is just be patient. Uh, uh, you know, whether you're visiting in a restaurant, it's one of your favorite restaurants in town, and maybe you have to wait a few extra minutes, uh, or as we all know with the bridge traffic and things backing up this summer, just being patient and understand, and, you know, and, and, and kind of taking things in stride and not putting too much pressure, uh, you know, on our wait staff and things like that, being patient with them, right? Yeah. It makes all the yep. difference in the world because our frontline crew, the people who work front counters and the hotels, our wait staff at restaurants, those people, you know, um, you know, they've got a heavy job and they've got an important job. And, you know, if they're getting a lot of flack from visitors or customers because of wait times, right, that puts pressure on them. And then that's not the best experience for our workforce. And well, so and let's face it, some of our restaurants in particular, but some of our other businesses too, are short staffed. Yeah. We have a labor shortage right now and they're making do, the, the, these people are working extra hours. Mm -hmm. They're working extra tables, yeah. and so they're under a little bit of stress, and anything that we can do to help make their lives a little bit easier. And if you can make the life of somebody who's visiting here a little bit easier, you never know what comes from that. Yeah. They go home, they tell everybody what wonderful people are here. Somebody else plans a vacation, yeah. and the Keweenaw thrives because of that. Yeah. So. And, 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 yeah, and you're absolutely right, Todd. And the only other plug I'd like to give is that so many of the things that make the Keweenaw special, right, our trails, uh, whether it's motorized or non-motorized, our parks, um, a lot of them uh, – 
only exist thanks to the fact that we have a group of volunteers, local volunteers, who maintain them, uh, keep them world-class, uh, and, and preserve many of these things. Well, oh, absolutely. The trails people, yeah. especially the, the, the people who maintain the ATV trails, mm-hmm. the Copper Harbor people who have yeah. put such a wonderful biking system mm-hmm. together up there. Yeah. So many of those people are volunteers. And if you use those, mm-hmm. pick up. Yeah, yeah. Yep, take care of the trails yourself when you're out there and consider either donating or joining some of these organizations that help maintain these assets as as locals and community members. It's part of the reason why we live here, right? It's because we have access to the beautiful outdoors. You know, if we want to fall out of bed and hit a trail, we can do that almost any day of the week, uh, all year long. Um, You know, a couple, you know, a couple days a year to volunteer for these organizations, um, you know, means a world of difference to these groups. It helps keep them going and it helps let them know you know, the amount of appreciation that we have for their work and their effort. And extra work over the past several years in terms of getting some of the trails back after the Copper Country, after the the Father's Day flood. Mm -hmm. We're not all the way back yet, but the end is in sight on that. That, And so we're making a lot of progress. And if you can help out with those trails or the parks or anything else that we have, if you just, you know, let's just make our house welcoming mm-hmm. for everybody who comes to visit over the summer and that'll benefit the Keweenaw in the long run so uh, Brad Barnett from the Keweenaw uh, the Keweenaw Convention and Visitors Bureau their office of course is located on US 41 in Calumet if you have questions about tourist attractions or things in the Copper Country if you've got friends who are coming in for a visit and you want things to do, uh, go see them and they'll be happy to give you some suggestions. Absolutely. Visit us up in Calumet. Our Welcome Center, like you said, is right there on US 41. And follow us on social media, right? Sometimes, I mean, that's a great way to interact with our staff and and sort of the visitor community, right? So follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Give us a shout if you ever see something or something you want to share with uh, the rest of the community. We're happy to do it. Here's to a good and profitable and happy summer. Brad Barnett, thank you. Thank you, sir. Copper Country Today, back in a moment. 